Welcome to St Martin in the Fields and welcome to Great Sacred Music, a particular welcome to those joining us online. We're looking today at music for Palm Sunday, the origins of Palm Sunday. Well, that's quite an easy one. There were palms when Jesus entered Jerusalem a week before uh, what became Easter Day. Uh, and so palms obviously exist to commemorate the palm branches that were laid down in uh, the path before the donkey on which Jesus rode. There was a procession commemorating this in Jerusalem from at least the fourth century, which spread throughout the wider church. Traditionally, there's a procession from one church to another, where you get your palms and have them blessed, and then you process back to the original church, although that doesn't happen so much uh, these days. And the hymn, All Glory, Lord and Honour, which we're going to sing in a moment, uh, was part of that procession from at least the 11th century. So there's a thousand years of singing some version of all glory, Lord and honour, not usually sang in contemporary English uh, in the earlier years, of course. But for real anoraks of liturgy, the big complication of uh, Palm Sunday is that traditionally the procession is red, that's to say the colour of the chasuble that the priests wear, wears is red, but the liturgical colour for the mass is purple. So every Palm Sunday uh, procession officially needs a little cubicle for the priest to shift chasubles at the vital moment from red to purple, which you can imagine is a kind of thing that can keep priests anxious the whole year round. So, as promised, we're going to start by singing together All Glory, Lord and Honour. Archbishop Theodolf of Orléans uh, was in post from the year 800 onwards. He was very much in favour under Charlemagne. Uh, 
but he was implicated in the rebellion of the much-forgotten Bernard of Italy and imprisoned under Charlemagne's successor, Louis I. There is an probably apocryphal story that Theodulf sang this hymn from his prison cell and the emperor heard it and liked it so much that he granted Theodulf's release. The tune uh, that we're going to sing is named after him. It was written in the early 17th century in Germany. And apart from the fact that this hymn has been sung uh, for a thousand years in Palm Sunday processions, the reason why it's quite so famous is that, as you may recall, it pops up in J.S. Bach's St. John Passion, and that's the imprimatur that trumps all the others, if you can still use the word trump in conventional speech today. So, as usual, we remain seated. The voices stand and lead us. You can find the words of the hymn on the inside of the handouts. If you haven't got a handout and you're in the building, they're just in the centre aisle. Uh, so we, we, we remain seated. The voices stand and lead us as we sing four verses of what's actually a very long hymn, All Glory, Lord and Honour.
Now we're going to hear two pieces uh, related to Palm Sunday. Uh, the first is a Benedictus. Now a Benedictus is a very confusing word in liturgical jargon because sometimes it refers to <clears throat> the Song of Zechariah, which is usually the middle canticle in, or the second canticle in Matins, but also it refers to the few words, uh, blessed he is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that are sung after the Sanctus in the middle of the canon or the uh, Eucharistic prayer as it's usually known today. And that's how you outflank the choir, of course, is you use it in the opposite sense to the sense they think uh, that you're meaning. These are the joys of being a clergy person, always outflanking the choir. Um, but the theological significance of, place of, the, of the short Benedictus, as it's sometimes known, that we're going to hear a version of now, is that uh, the Sanctus, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, uh, comes from Isaiah and refers, comes from the Old Testament, refers to the holiness of God. The Benedictus, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, uh, from the New Testament, from I think all four of the Gospels, refers to the presence of God among us. So those, if you like, are the two contrasting themes of the Eucharist, the holiness and the wonder of God eternally and the presence of God among us incarnate in Christ and present through the body of Christ in the Eucharist. So there's the balance between the Sanctus and the Benedictus. And actually the Benedictus was left out of the Book of Common Prayer uh, when it was compiled in, from 1552 onwards and was only added back in. You don't find it in the 1662 Book of Common Prayer, if you're looking, uh, but you do find it in modern revisions of the liturgy, which is why we all, almost always sing it today. We're going to hear Dvorak's version in a moment, uh, and then we're going to hear um, Grayston Ives' version of Ride On. This is based on Henry Millman's famous hymn, Ride On, Ride On in Majesty, first published in 1827. Uh, what Millman's doing here very cleverly is to contrast the, the majesty of Christ's entry into Jerusalem with the humility of him riding on a donkey. So again, we've got the, the glory of God's holy divinity and we've got the reality of Christ's full humanity. And there's an ambiguity about the words ride on, which appear at the beginning of each verse, they're ride on into Jerusalem, but they're also ride on to the inevitable death on the cross. And, and the, the endless, seemingly endless repetition of the words ride on just imprints that, uh, that contrast and that tension on the listener. And note how the angels look down with sad and wandering eyes. That's my favorite line in this piece. That This is a setting by Grayston Ives, usually known as Bill Ives, uh, who until about 10 years ago was uh, Director of Music at Magdalen College, Oxford.
Well, we're now going to hear two uh, further piece, pieces. Again, we're going to start with the 17th century, uh, Orlando Gibbons. Uh, this is a piece, Hosanna to the Son of David, that celebrates the majesty of Palm Sunday, very popular in the 17th century. Why? I guess because it celebrates the pageantry of kingship, particularly in the late 17th century. That was all the rage, Charles II. Uh, interesting to reflect on the word Hosanna, which in a liturgical or a, a New Testament context, uh, but it's fascinating how it changes its meaning in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's a cry for help. It means save now, literally, in Hebrew. Um, but by the time we get to the New Testament, it's turned from a kind of imperative verb, save us now, to a noun that describes uh, a great person. It's, it's a, a kind of exclamation that celebrates the one who has come to save. So you say Hosanna to the great person, obviously Jesus in this case, in the New Testament, whereas it was more of a prayer in the Old Testament. Uh, Gibbons, uh, you'll be maybe familiar with Gibbons, a leading figure particularly in the 1610s, very, very died very young, but seen today as a key figure in the transition from the Renaissance to the Baroque periods. And then, rather fascinatingly, we're going to hear a second translation of All Glory, Lord and Honour, known as Glory and Honour, so you couldn't possibly get them mixed up. It's translation of the same original hymn by St. Theodolf back in the ninth century. And curiously, it's done by the same translator, J.M. So if you're ever idle in Holy Week, this is what you do. You find a, a, a ninth century hymn in, in Latin, you translate it into English beautifully, and then you do another version. Just as beautiful, but less well-known uh, today, but set here by Charles Wood. J.M. Neal, if you've ever pondered what his names, uh, the origin of his name, names, John Mason Neal, uh, translator, Victorian clergyman, but little signal in his names. John Mason was a Puritan hymn writer 200 years before, also a clergyman during the Civil War period, if you're uh, familiar with the hymn, How Shall I Sing Thy Majesty, then that was written by John Mason. So again, if you're naming your child and you want to find a nice hymn writer 200 years ago, there's a nice subtle trick for you in the naming of J.M. Neal. Let's enjoy these two pieces now. <coughs>
Well, it's time for us to uh, sing together again now. We're going to sing My Song is Love Unknown, which you'll find again on the inside of the sheets, written by Samuel Crossman, who became Dean of Bristol just before he died in 1684. Hymn was practically unknown before it appeared in the redoubtable public school hymn book of 1903. What propelled it to the front rank of hymns was the tune written by John Ireland at the behest of Percy Diemer for his book Songs of Praise, published in the 1920s. It's probably, in its second line, got the, uh, the best summary of Holy Week that I know, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. The hymn builds up through a series of rhetorical questions uh, to articulate the incomprehension of the speaker. And then we get a climax where astonishment, irony, and wonder turn into praise. It's as if the author is saying, if this is love, then I could stay here forever. Let's remain seated, and the voices will stand and lead us. My song is love and name. Well, we've come towards the end of uh, Great Sacred Music for today. I hope uh, you've enjoyed yourself. If you have, there's various 
different ways of making a donation as you leave, and I encourage you to make the most of those different opportunities, and thank you for anything you can spare. Um, do have a look out for the uh, next Great Sacred Music that happens on Thursday, a sequence for Holy Week, and also choral classics taking place this Sunday with a similar Palm Sunday theme. Do also look out for the voices in concert on Good Friday, uh, singing St John Passion, and on the following day, Holy Saturday, in the evening, singing Allegri Miserere. You can't get two better pieces than that. We're going to um, finish now with Ride on King Jesus, an African-American spiritual rendering of the majesty and the saving power of Jesus through the lens of Palm Sunday. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>